Subfreaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap Stimulus Package. Matt and I just had a good rip. Uh, a lot of rambling towards the end there. Just bouncing ideas off each other about the current state of the oil market, MMT, a bunch of other things. Uh, we did talk a lot about Bitcoin and everything going on in the Bitcoin world. The first hour of the episode, the last 20 minutes, is all macro and just spitballing ideas with each other. Crazy times we're living in freaks. Very crazy times. There's a lot of unforeseen externalities that are really coming to the fore as uh, coronavirus shutdown starts affecting the markets and demand. Uh, the demand side of things is so weak that the supply side is starting to react pretty, pretty viscerally and pretty aggressively. So... I think you guys are going to like this. Uh, one caveat, uh, your Uncle Marty learned about money laundering through through like a thought experiment he had by himself. I want to make it clear I'm not money laundering anything. I, uh, I just had a thought experiment when it comes to pay join, and it just so happens that that thought experiment led to me potentially being a money launderer at some point in the future, which is not going to happen. I can promise you that. I will never launder money. Um, questioning whether or not if I should stop record and re-record this preview. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm feeling some type of way right now. The world's going to shit. Who cares anymore? I'm definitely not going to money launder, but I sort of explain how you could money launder uh, in this episode. This episode of Tales from the Crypts is brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. They're helping you stack sats, help you send sats, they're helping you receive sats, and they're helping you sell sats if you so please. Uh, on top of that, they got Cash App Investing, which is helping you s- stack slivers of stonks. If you want to stack a sliver of stonk on the Cash App, you can via Cash App Investing. If your favorite stonk is a little too expensive, you can invest as little as $1. All right. And because your bank account is directly connected to the Cash App, or because Cash App is your bank account, you can start investing today. There's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking slivers of stonks today. On top of that, they have their boost program which is an incredible program that allows you to initiate boost with partner merchants. You go to that merchant, you use your boost card personalized with the signature. Uh, you save a little bit of money and you can take that money. You can stack stocks. Oh, excuse me. Stack stat, blah, stack sats with that. Um, and then on top of that, if you have not downloaded the cash app yet and you plan on doing it, make sure you use the code stacking sats. That's one word. S T A C K I N G S A T S. Stacking sets. You're going to get $10. $10 is going to go, you're, go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse doing incredible things in Chicago. That's Owls Lacrosse. Not that dirtbag owl. Owls Lacrosse. Use the code stacking sets. Download the Cash App. Enjoy this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap Stimulus Package. Please forgive me for coming to like realize what money laundering is on the go it's on the go it's a thought experiment it's a thought experiment I'm sorry okay. you've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free if you talk about a fed just gone nuts all all the central banks going nuts so it's all acting like safe haven I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, 
You probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. We got a rabbit hole recap stimulus package. Getting it in this week. Matt just popped his bottle of McAllen. How the hell are we doing, brother? Did the mic pick up the pour? I guess we'll find out afterwards. I'm sure it did. We shall find out. Cheers. It's your mic. Cheers. I'm drinking whiskey with you as well. I got the bullet. He's got the McAllen. He's sipping on something much smoother. I had to go on a run for this. Speaking this week. You ran to the liquor store? No, I mean, I drove there, but like note to self, you should. I know. I think you always under expect how much how much scotch you can use in a, in a bug out period in a global pandemic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We actually went on a a liquor store run this week. I did this weekend. Stocked up a lot of vino. A lot of vino. The essentials. Um Yeah, Matt and I were talking before we hit record. I'm going crazy. Not crazy, but just like it's groundhog day. Sure, you freaks are experiencing this too. It's the same thing every day. They shut down the beaches here. We can't even go on a nice beach walk. They shut down the parks here. Can't even drive to a park. Um, you haven't been going to the though beach? No, we did do a drive-by of the one park. I, they've made. They've started. Like the cops are like patrolling the Shit. beach now. So they weren't when I. Yeah, they weren't when I put. It makes no sense, dude. Um, but we're not going to start on pandemic stuff. We're going to start on Bitcoin stuff. Uh today specifically there's lots to talk about um but first we have to get some shout outs this one wasn't even a shout out somebody bought us a bottle of whiskey and in the part where they're supposed to put in the whiskey bottle we should buy he just put in a message uh and the message was drunk af american hodl a little bitch sent from coinbase because i'm a little bitch too lol um so that was the first shout out don't know who thank that, you, that was from thank you for the whiskey we appreciate it we'll, we'll get a american hodl american hodl American Hoddle, if you're listening, this man thinks you're a little bitch. Just, uh, just want you to know. Or a woman could be a woman. Um, and then this one, uh, I was very happy to. Uh, I don't want to say edit, just to read through this article before it got posted. You guys should go check it out. Hey freaks, I hope you're all hanging in there as the virus and the Fed turn our lives upside down. If you have some extra time in your hands, get a friend or family member and learn a new skill together. I've been learning to code and it feels great to have something to focus on. Please take a few minutes to check out my first ever blog post on privacy, avoiding the digital panopticon on Medium. Thank you, Matt and Marty, for all the incredible content. You can find our buddy Eric on Twitter at Eric B underscore 10 uh, or on Medium at Eric B 10, no underscore. So on Twitter at Eric B underscore 10 on medium at eric b10 uh, go check out that article avoiding the digital panopticon it was a really good one um i thoroughly enjoyed it was humbled to be uh to be mentioned in it thanks eric shout out to eric um what's going on a lot of bitcoin stuff to talk about this week uh the first topic uh was a topic we actually mentioned literally the last sentence of the last episode we were wondering <laughs> Uh, about PTC Pay server adding pay join, and I think as li- literally as soon as we hit stop record, they sent a tweet that said that that they did uh, launch their latest release, which which includes the PTEP P two. I always say PTEP P two EP implementation pay join. Um, so it's pretty huge. We've been talking about this for quite a while. Matt uh, 
tweeted out a, a beautiful sound clip from your episode with Stefan Levera um, describing why P2EP and <laughs> implementations like PayJoin are important. Uh, this is going to be massive uh, for privacy. So you're just basically trying to make every spend a coin join. And so... What? No, just you and acronyms, that's all. Sorry, continue. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Pay to endpoint. I'll just, just, I should just say or it. Colloquially, say colloquially um, pay join. Pay join, yeah. yes. Much easier. But pay join is an implementation of P2ED. Sure, yes. That is the Stonewall. And, Correct. Not um, not Stonewall. Stone, stowaway so, is on Samurai. Stowaway, stowaway. Sorry, there's so many goddamn names to remember the the samurai stuff. Um, block Blockstream worked in collaborate or funded the 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 implementation. I guess is that the correct phrasing to use there? Uh, I think they provided a grant to Mr. Kooks, who was the primary developer. Yeah, I'm yeah. like ninety percent um, sure of that. So. But regardless, they yeah. provided some so kind of funding been there. But yeah, Mr. Kooks was the primary developer. Uh, he got this shit done. Uh, it's a fucking big deal. It's 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 really important. And like the the beauty of PayJoin is that um, with PayJoin, you have in every Bitcoin transaction you have inputs and outputs. You have the transactions that are on the sender side, what's usually believed to be the sender side, and then you have out outputs which is where the receiver gets his coins and then one utxo is changed it goes back to the sender um so with PayJoin, both the sender and receiver contribute inputs so you can no longer assume but it still looks a lot of times a PayJoin transaction will look exactly like a regular transaction you can't tell the difference and in that case um, you can no longer assume that all the inputs belong to the sender uh, for all Bitcoin transactions. Uh, so it gives like a passive privacy improvement to non-users of it if used at scale. But the main issue with it is that the receiver needs to be online um, or available, right? So you could do it through like something like NFC or QR codes or something like that as well. Um, Samurai has it implemented with QR codes. Um, but the nice thing about BTC Pay is you're already online, the merchant's already online. So th all they have to do is keep a, a small hot wallet online as well. Um, and then they're able to enable pay join uh, transactions, which is, I, I think it's a really big deal. Yeah, huge deal. And like you mentioned, need a hot, hot wallet uh, to make this possible. And so if you do implement this with your BTC pay server, you can mitigate the risk of having too many funds in a hot wallet or, or uh by using the BTC transmuter plugin, which will help you sweep that stuff uh, after a certain threshold, you can set the um, set the thresholds and make sure that you're clearing out that hot wallet as need be uh, as you're receiving and and participating to Bitcoin's privacy overall. Um, that wasn't the only thing in this release. They had a bunch of UI updates. It's very very uh, sleek, much sleeker than it was a week ago. They got dark mode, and then more importantly, they have coin selection, which is pretty huge. Uh, coin selection is again, really important. Talking about privacy, one of the, one of the ways to fuck up your privacy is to use a wallet that doesn't have coin selection. You really don't know uh, the UTXO selection of that wallet software uh, unless you really dive into the code. 
And so uh, what happens a lot is the wallet software just automatically combine UTXOs, which is obviously not ideal for privacy if you want to be selective with uh, sending particular UTXOs that you, you know the origin of and, and can uh, be confident in and mixing them if you want to mix them. Yeah. So coin selection is huge. Yeah, what you want is you want to be able to not only select UTXOs, but you want to be able to label them so you know what they are. And for the, the, for the same reason as uh, why PayJoin helps here is because if you combine them in a, in a transaction when you're sending, it can be assumed that all the inputs belong to the sender. Um, I just wanted to make three quick comments about PayJoin. First of all, we will be implementing it on our BTC Pay shop. Um, that, that should happen shortly. Uh, so you can pay join if you buy us a bottle of whiskey, which would be dope. Um, while it's supporting it right now from BTC pay itself, you can send pay join transactions that are compatible with BTC pay. They're the only ones right now. Um, green wallet, blue wallet plan to support it. Uh, there's a couple others along the BTC pay implementation. Join market has its own implementation that works between join market and join market users and samurai has its own implementation that works between samurai and samurai users um so hopefully we see more wallets implement uh pay join implementations hopefully we see more usage of it and hopefully we see as marty said earlier we see more coin control uh with with labeling just as an option like if if your wallet wants to default to just doing the whole balance as if it's one giant ass utxo then by all means, but in the advanced tab, you should be able to to have coin control with labeling. Yes, slowly but surely, the stuff is all getting better. And then on top of that, they added uh, QR code camera scanning. Uh, so the new scan option lets you use your device's camera to scan an invoice when sending from the wallet. Um, so that's just a, a good UX improvement and makes makes BTC Pay uh, more more useful. Um, so shout out to the BTC Pay server team. Nicholas Dorier tweeted out a few weeks ago that this was going to be one of their biggest uh, code pushes to date, and it did not disappoint. So this is BTC Pay server version 1.0.4.0. So if you haven't upgraded it yet, updated it, make sure you do that and take advantage of all the dope features. Uh, enable Pay Join, help out Bitcoin, every Bitcoiner's privacy, and that's the beauty when you when you interact with pay joins and p2ep you're you're not only helping your own privacy you're helping everybody else's as well um and let's bust up these chain analysis heuristics we talked about that on thursday how how fucked up they are and speaking of something we talked about on thursday which we wanted to bring back up uh is trezor they had uh released a blog post uh talking about their latest update which included uh the new passphrase changes and then wipe the, code um, sd card feature and then the yeah the sd card feature with the pin which basically makes it like a 2fa um but what we did we caught one version of of the release blog apparently there was another blog post released that day as well that talked about uh some security fixes that they made uh, as well in that pusher. We just wanted to touch on those as well. Um, well, first off... What do we have with the I, uh, security fixes? First of all, I thought it was, you know... It's a little bit questionable that they had two blog posts. One did not have the vulnerabilities that were fixed in it, and the other had all of the first one, 
but then also these four vulnerabilities that were fixed. Um, I mean, we missed it. Uh, we were looking at it real quick before we started recording last week, but still, uh, we missed it, and it kind of feels like it was intentionally misleading. Um, but anyway, uh, they, there's there's four vulnerabilities. Three of them are Bitcoin-related that were found by Salim, uh, fucking destroyer of hardware wallets, like that guy over there. <laughs> um, and the fourth one was Is a Monero one that someone else found. Is he legal? Yeah, that's a weird question. Is he? Uh, is he eighteen? Yeah, very odd wording, Marty. I believe so. But I'm the sorry, internet, the internet will forever think he's a sixteen-year-old. I, I think I saw someone under his thread was like, "Ah, oh, crazy that a sixteen-year-old kid did this." And I, I, I hope it was a troll. Yeah. I think it might have been a troll. I'm not sure. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Rashid Salim has been a very prolific. Uh, bug finder in the hardware wallet space for quite some time. He's, uh, yeah, he's a good hacker. Um, yeah, and the and the other the other bug was like a Monero issue, right? Yeah, you could set unlimited uh, lock time. An attacker could. Ugh. Force hot. You so can force like someone a... to force hodl their Monero. Yeah, what kind of attack is that? Well, it's kind of like a ransom. Hostage it's a ransom attack. attack. Yeah, it's like ransomware. Yeah. But even if you, how could you get out of it though? If the lock time's initiated, you can't like pay your way out of that. Uh, yeah, I guess you? you're right. I don't know how you would monetize it. You could, I guess, it's just like a grief. Yeah, it's just um, what's not. There's like Griefing. a word for it. It's uh Griefing? Is it griefing? Yeah, or? when you're just like kicking someone in the balls, just to kick someone in the balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah, just a mean, a mean hack. It's like, ah, fuck you, I'm going to lock your coins up for a million blocks. Um, I guess you could do it to an exchange. And then if they didn't notice, you could withdraw money. Ah. Uh. That makes sense. I think it does. So yeah. they're just keeping it in their ledger in the back end. Yeah. But anyway, there was in four there. vulnerabilities. Yeah. Uh, we're linking to the blog post uh, in the show notes with the vulnerabilities in it. Um, but even more of a reason to update. Yes. Make sure you update. Oh, update, update, And it update. broke HWI um, support. Oh, yes. This is, uh, this is important to talk. Andrew Chow tweeted this out for HWI hardware wallet interface users, which is something he's been working on. And we talked about in the episode that he joined us for was that last summer, last fall it feels like forever ago at this point. Um, these firmware versions will not work with the new firmware versions of Trezor will not work with HWI. Trezor one removed the way that we were implementing the prompt pin command uh, this will be fixed shortly. The sessions changes the Model T are causing HWI to no longer be able to communicate with the device. A fix has been prepared for these two issues. However, the passphrase changes to the Trezor T means that the user experience with it will be severely degraded. Either you will have to, one, enter the passphrase on device every command, or two, <laughs> enter it in CLI options a la Trezor 1. So that seems pretty annoying. Yep. Um, and yeah, just like, unintended consequences with these things externalities um, externalities i wanted to uh 
Yeah, so if you're using HWI, which most people use to interact with Core directly with their hardware wallet, um, then don't update your Trezor, I guess, until they update HWI. Um, but what I wanted to say about PayJoin is there seems to be some people who are pitching it basically as a replacement to CoinJoin or um, that that they, that these coordinated coin joins like we see with Whirlpool. Like a Whirlpool or Wasabi yeah, implementation. Uh, that they're not necessary. And the thing is, is like you have to realize these are complementary tools. Like we need usage of both of them to go up um, because... They break different heuristics, right? Yeah, I mean, if... If if both sides of a pay join transaction are known entities with their UTXO set completely known, um, it doesn't matter that you pay joined, right? Like to an external observer, it matters. Um, like someone who doesn't know any, you know, any metadata attached to these UTXOs, but someone who actually knows that KYC information or uh, just general metadata, IP addresses, email addresses, stuff like that, uh, could see right through that page join. They, they, they know which input's which input. Yeah. What I was actually thinking now that we're back on page join, like, would I be able to buy? It's probably too expensive, probably not worthwhile with other implementations like Whirlpool and Wasabi out there. But, like, would I be, like, with our merch store... Like, would I be able to just, like, coin join with myself? Nobody else would know but me um, and just pay the, the X amount of dollars for the merch. I'd obviously have to buy a lot of merch. It'd probably be dumb to do, but I, if I was, like, hard-pressed. I don't know what you mean by just using PayJoin. Yeah, so our store has PayJoin set up. Right. And I, uh, I say I have a bunch of UTXOs and cold stores that I want to... Um, coin join I could do that from our store obviously I'd be paying it'd be like 12 to 20 dollars per per mix or I mean it's not really a mix that's the thing it's not a it's not um it's not a coordinated there's not like the thing is you you still uh, it's not even it's not even like a, a two you still there's still heuristics that can be applied there, right? If you know two parties, which two parties are transacting with each other. So it's only two people. Um, and well, that's the thing. I, yeah. I'm the merchant. So I only, I know that in this case, what do you mean? Like I'm the only one who knows both sides of the, of the transaction are me. I, I, both parties don't know in this situation. I thought it was an I interactive process. In what? Oh, oh. I, yeah. I would be both parties. Oh, oh. So like you'd be buying, this is really like, you'd be buying our own merch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it gives you a limited privacy bonus and that, that sounds, um, sounds illegal. Way too expensive. Uh, is it, would it be illegal? Yeah, it depends how you treat the profits coming into the store. Yeah, that's a good call. We're not doing that. Is it, yeah. No, obviously For the we're not record. doing that. But I was, I was thinking, I was just, we're not doing it. 
our FBI agent that's listening right now. Don't worry, we're not but, doing this. But that's the same um, idea as something no, no, like self-shuffling, right? Where you like simulate coin join rounds between yourself and and no and no one else, right? So you have uh, it, it, it. It's a much reduced anonymity set, like to the point where it, in most most cases it won't be effective. Like you need new liquidity. The whole idea is like you need. Um, you you need it can't it can't just be like incestuous. You need more users coming into the system. Yeah, no, it was just a thought experiment I had after this came out. I was like, yeah, because I was just thinking, like, what if I bought some merch with Bitcoin on the site? Um, that's that's how that thought experiment started. I'm like, huh, I'd be paying for that. And the conclusion I came to is probably be way too expensive and stupid to do that because you could just. You're paying for the transaction fee and then the merch on top of it, where other implementations of coin join you could just pay for the transaction fee. Yeah, I mean, I I think for the privacy benefit you get, Whirlpool is cheaper in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thought experiments. Just just push through them. Uh, this was something that I did not catch till you put it up on on the list. Pretty funny that happened. Um, so for you freaks that don't know, huge contention, uh, about Bitcoin talk.org and Bitcoin.org two websites that, um, in the early days were more popular than they are now. Bitcoin talk.org is still relatively popular. Um, Bitcoin.org, I guess people, um, are not big fans of it anymore. Um, co-owned by Thamos and Cobra, who's in both Anons. Um, a lot of, a lot of drama has been created because of the, the ownership of these websites and the people who run them over the years. And it seems that last over the weekend, uh, late last week, they decided to split up their, uh, owning both sites 50, 50, but now Cobra has Bitcoin.org and, um, Thamos has BitcoinTalk.org. So they're, they're going separate ways. What do you th- what do you think about this match? Just funny, like old drama. Getting is that a resolve? Uh, a resolvement of that. Of it's re- kind of weird. Uh, you know, I don't really know any of those internal politics. Like they're both, you know, the OGest of the OG. Uh, as much as I've disagreed with both of them, plenty in the past. Uh, it is does seem kind of weird, doesn't it? That it just like happened. It seems yeah. very mutual. Um, I, I like question like is something happening behind the scenes? Did one person pay the other? You know, like BitcoinTalk.org, uh, while a mainstay of of early days of Bitcoin is like way less valuable of a domain than Bitcoin.org. Um, so I just I it, it makes me curious. And then the other thing is, um, just for undue speculation sake, there's a post by Greg Maxwell underneath that says, on the announcement of Bitcoin Talk, that says, I'm really sad to hear this. It seems like Bitcoin faces such tremendous headwinds, which is like eerie as fuck. Ah, 
I'm really sad to hear this. It seems like Bitcoin faces some tremendous headwinds. April 18th, 2020, Greg Maxwell. Did it respond any more to it? Let's see if the conversation got started there. Greg, why are you freaking out? No, so if you if you freaks are relatively new to the Bitcoin world, BitcoinTalk.org and early is that's where I got a lot of my information. It sort of turned into like a a place where shit coiners were launched there, pre mines. Um, but in the early days, this is where Satoshi was was posting a lot and interacting with people um, about the code base and everything that was going on. And all the old threads um, are still there. Yeah. So you can go back. It's it's a great historical artifact at this point. One of the best but that exists. Can we just talk about yeah. what Greg Maxwell this, said man. underneath this this post for a second? Like, isn't that eerie as fuck? Yeah. What What are the headwinds? Yeah. What Why are the, is like, this? Does he think one of the two domains is going to be used uh, is as it, a weapon? Or like an anti-Cobra comment? Like, like he wishes Thamos still had control of Bitcoin.org. I don't know. That's a theory. That makes that yeah. makes sense to me. So here's another here's another OG commenting Midnight Magic. Uh, I think Peeps need to step back uh, one or two steps and be calm. There were a lot of times that Bitcoin.org could have gone wrong, but ultimately didn't. I think maybe some folks are assigning too much retrospective probability to Cobra's potential to be malign, functionally and operationally, and especially authoritatively. Nothing's changed far as i can tell right i think cobra says things a lot of the time that are ill-considered or appear to look one way or another and there was an odd security warning a few years back for example i forgot about that but so far at least either something has been moderating this response or he's been arriving at an ultimately correct decision to act on his own in the first case hopefully whoever uh whoever it is that can continue to offer advice in the second case, something in there has prevented him from heading towards, for example, Bcash all on his own. I think Cobra himself would agree that downloading the client for Bitcoin.org, uh, maybe that's it, Bitcoin.org being a place where you usually download um, versions of Bitcoin could be used maliciously to have people download a bad version or something like that. Yeah, that's always been the concern. Um, and like suggested wallets and stuff yeah. like that. Um, there's also BitcoinCore.org. And there's also um, the GitHub page, but and it's, I'm sure it's yeah, mirrored. The GitHub page. Just go to the GitHub page. Pick, yeah, I'm sure it's mirrored a bunch. Slash Bitcoin. Sorry, I'm sure it's mirrored in a bunch of places. But, <laughs> yeah, um, but I think the bigger concern Prime is always we're sitting on that asset. Wow, I'm sorry. I think the bigger concern is that we. Um, My mom just walked into the office. The bigger concern is Bitcoin.com. Hey, Miss Odell. I mean, yeah, well, Bitcoin.com. Well, did you see they, we didn't talk about that. They laid off like 60% of their staff or something like that. Um, but that's where noobs go first, well. right? They type in Bitcoin.com and they just go to it. Yeah. I've actually been quote like, been getting quoted in bitcoin.com articles more matt's matt's giving his mom like what the hell's going on right now um, ridiculous no but yeah bitcoin bitcoin.com 
just from a nature of SEO and being around in the early days, they dominate all the SEOs. Anybody searches Bitcoin, Bitcoin wallet, like they come up first. But they are struggling. They are in a, it seems they are in a, a very vulnerable spot. I wonder how long. Do you think Roger ever comes back? Do you think? Uh, no. You think? No. no? Never going to happen. He's lost. I got to get a forked out. Oh, we got to check the hash He's lost. Absolutely lost. Hey, I believe in redemption. Um, oh my God. When was their when was their hard fork? Bcash is at one point five five exahash right now. Uh, when was the hard fork? Right it was like what, like there. a week ago. A week ago. Yeah, their seven-day hash rates hovering around 1.7 exahash. What's the percentage? Seven days around one, one thirteen, one point seven over one thirteen, uh, whatever that is. Doesn't it, it shows the percentage like on one? I'm forked out. LOL. Not even one. Yeah. I like percentage number. It's good. It doesn't show percentage. It shows uh, it just shows ratio, which equals percentage. But they don't do the math for you. We all know Marty math is pretty bad. <laughs> Definitely um, on air. All right. My math is way worse on air. I promise you that. Yeah, me as well. The other piece of oh, news. They do, they do have the total. It's two. It's currently 2.08%. Marty, we're like six weeks into not seeing each other, and we're finally talking over each other while we're trying to record. That's because I. What's going on, man? What's going on? It's the whiskey. I got like people screaming downstairs. If you freaks can hear them, if my mic's picking it up, it's chaos. I get recording my mom walked into the office, grabbed a pen, didn't make eye contact with me, wrote something down, walked over, handed it to me, walked out of the office, and on the uh, on the note, it just says "when sausage" because we're eating <laughs> sausage tonight for dinner. Like that's what just happened to me, and I tried to. To try to maintain my composure. I had to share it with you freaks. When sausage. When sausage. I think we may need to make a t-shirt out of this. No, we're not making a t-shirt out of this. When so- what kind of sausage? Pork sausage? Yeah, we uh, Yeah, we have pork sausage. We've been eating really well. I we have like steaks is- all the time. Like we just filled up the freezer with just tons tons of meat. Well, I've been eating really well too. We've got ribs in the in the oven right now, um, but I've been a sucker for like local or small one off farm butchers. I've actually started to get targeted with ads on Instagram with these butchers. I I succumbed to one of them today. One in Wyoming, I forget the name, and I don't have my phone near me, so I can't get them a free show. It's right the now, best. They I bought they like, just ship that shit to you. It's fantastic. Yeah, I bought 10 pounds. I'm getting a tomahawk. I, I've like been craving a tomahawk for so long, and they don't have the butcher down here doesn't have any. So I'm very excited to have that delivered to my doorstep within the week. Fucking fantastic. That's the one thing I miss. That's the one thing I miss, St. Anselm's, man. Would you love to go to St. Anselm's right now and get, get a tomahawk? Dude, fucking steakhouse, beers, just at a bar. It'd be great. Be fucking fantastic. It would be incredible. 
A steakhouse. You can barely go outside now. A steakhouse. Ah. Right. Just drinking martinis. I don't, I don't drink ah. martinis. You know what I've been at? You know what I've actually been thinking? I want to find a, I want to find a speakeasy. I know there's a speakeasy somewhere, like it's going down. I want to find like a parlor like speakeasy where they even let you like smoke stogies or cigs, uh, and you can just drink without social distancing. Maybe play a little cards. If anybody knows about of a speakeasy in South Jersey, let me know. Like that's happening I'm, right now. Marty's looking. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Are we just the return of the speakeasy is probably here. Are we too old to know where the speakeasy is? Is that the issue? No, I think we're too young. I think the people throwing the speakeasies are, are know what they're doing. They, they've uh, they've uh, been around the block a couple times. I'm, I don't think anybody. I don't think any millennials starting a speakeasy. Maybe you never know. Yeah, it started by like cor- corrupt government officials and uh, and mobsters. I, that's who's running the speakeasies. That's like the old version of the speakeasy. There could be like new age speakeasies operated by well, young the, people. The new age speakeasy would be like it'd be like alcohol free, but only. no. Um, this is the generation that you know was on spring break while the corona was was going. They're not going to let a little uh, little virus stop the partying. Well, that's actually funny you bring that up, spring break, because that's the interesting thing about like social distancing and the externalities of like the countrywide lockdown. Like in Jacksonville, they opened up the beaches earlier this week. Did you see that picture? Yeah. Um, there was like hundreds, thousands of people on the beach, and I spoke with somebody who actually spends time on that beach in the off season pretty pretty regularly. And she would be down there right now if the virus stuff wasn't going. She was like. The beach is never that that busy this time of year. Like so, like the FOMO to just get outside and experience nature drove the, like more people than would otherwise be there uh, to the beach. Um, so it's like weird. Yeah, when you when, tinkering with with human nature. When and you stuff take like that. something away from someone, they want it so much more. Yeah, as as you freaks may be able to tell from this tangential conversation on speakeasies that we're having right now yeah like i just a just a steakhouse you know i just want to i want to spend an inordinate amount of money at a steakhouse uh just with the boys right. like that'd be awesome it would be that's hey when i'm back in brooklyn that's what we're gonna do we're gonna go get a steak at st anselm's i'm down just, i'm down by the way by the way it's the best steakhouse in in brooklyn peter luger is way overrated I don't want I don't want to force St. Anselm's to jump the shark by pumping it too hard, but in my opinion, it's the best steak in the city maybe, not even just in Brooklyn. It's great. It's fantastic. Um New York's a big city, so back I will to, not back to Bitcoin time. I will not speak in absolutes. Yeah. You know I like to do that. Um back to Bitcoin topics. This is actually one uh, news that broke while we were recording last week. People were like, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about this? So I was like, ah, literally stopped recording, checked Twitter and saw it. Uh, Purse.io, which has been a huge marketplace for, uh, I don't want to say huge marketplace, it's been a marketplace available to Bitcoiners for quite some time, uh, decided to shut down its doors. Um, so that announcement dropped last Thursday while we were recording. 
and it's sort of sad to see, even though I was never a purse.io user and provided utility to a lot of Bitcoiners. And I, I don't agree with everything they did over the years, but you can't deny that they did provide a service for people. I saw rumors that the Amazon affiliate link, um, uh, rev share went down and may have hurt them. Amazon squeezed their affiliates. Um, yeah. So I think that may have been the reason. I don't know if that's what they described in there. Well, so I don't think they the whole idea of purse, blog the whole idea of purse was that if you wanted Bitcoin, you could buy products on Amazon that the seller of Bitcoin wanted, and then you got their Bitcoin. So if you had Bitcoin and you wanted something from Amazon, you would do the opposite process. Um, so in the beginning, they had some big issues with credit card fraud. I remember, you remember the guy who got swatted? Um, basically, yeah. he was selling Bitcoin and he wanted these Amazon items and the buyer of the Bitcoin bought with a stolen credit card and then shipped it to this dude's house. So the cops hit his house. Um, so then Purse added like a $10,000 insurance or something like that for damages in that situation and cracked down on it. I'm not sure if it happened again after that. Um, but that kind of freaked the shit out of me. So I never tried it. Um, but they did have, the that, founders but- were very supportive of Bcash, which Marty kind of alluded to. Um, this Amazon affiliate link kind of, uh, you know, affiliate thing probably hurt them as well. And then probably just on top of that, just being able to buy gift cards for Amazon from Fold and BitRefill. Um, probably drained up the last of their customers they had there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably definitely the UX is definitely better. The fact that you could do it on an app. person might have had an app. Again, the Bcash stuff, I stopped um, really following when they went down that path hard, but cannot be forgotten that they are the reason that um, for Bcoin, which is another implementation uh, of Bitcoin, a JavaScript implementation, I believe they created. So, um, yeah, weird uh, winding history with that company. Particularly, they they wound down. It ended with a wind down um, last Thursday. And that's what a lot of people are asking if they're going to open source um, the code. So we'll see if that happens. But whether you love them or hate them, it is a uh, a calling of of a company. In, in the Bitcoin space. It's just interesting to see. Um, and this next topic, you, you put the, uh, you put the purse link in twice, uh, but breeze wallet did add key key send support. Yeah. So um, we have, we have three major key send stories. We have breeze wallet added, Noddle. added key send, uh, Noddle added key send for the original Noddles, um, but the others to hopefully follow soon. Um, and then, so key send is the idea that instead of giving an invoice, uh, you can send just to the pub key, just the node ID that the node is node by. Um, this is only supported in LND right now, uh, this implementation. Um, I, I guess actually Breeze is, is written in Go, I believe, so it's, it's separate. Um, but besides Breeze, it's only LND is my understanding. I believe so too. Um, so that's pretty cool. Just being able to send Satoshi without invoice, um, again, improving UX. 
slowly but surely. So the third story is, say here. is Juggernaut better. Messenger, which leverages KeySend to send, it's, it's like the evolution of WhatsApp, uh, to send messages, encrypted messages um, from node to node using your public key. Uh, so it basically sends one sat yeah. message, one sat payments that are encrypted messages. Um, and you connect it to your L and D node. Yeah, this is crazy. So this is actually, I wrote about Sphinx last week in the bent. I believe it was Thursday or Friday. Juggernaut, John Contrell, uh, who created this reached out to me and said, it's, it's different than, um, Sphinx in that it is node Sphinx. like use your own node first mentality. Um, Sphinx allows you to connect to your node, but if you're not able to do so, you can just use that app. Well, it uses the um, Noddle Cloud. Custodially. Sphinx. You yeah. have your own node in the yeah. cloud. Yeah. Um, and But that's the beauty. Like, this is, and I said it last week, like, this is massive. Just from an application standpoint. Like, so imagine WeChat or Alipay, but without the surveillance state tracking you. Like, you could... S- so it's got the website of Juggernaut, lays it out like this. It's got familiar messenger. So if you've used Telegram, WhatsApp, or Signal, you'll find most of the features that are on those apps. There's no phone number or email connected. Again, it's just your no native payments. So send and receive payments as easily as you send a text message. So that's how like Alipay and WeChat come into play. There's no third party. Uh, there are no Juggernaut servers to connect to. All the messages are routed over the peer-to-peer Lightning network, which is insane. Like I don't think people are really grasping the gravity of how huge that is like and and that's the 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 line i say a lot on this podcast and other podcasts that i go on like we have a decision to make we either get the chinese surveillance state exported to the rest of the world and the u.s surveillance state too let's be honest or we we work hard to build out these systems in a decentralized distributed fashion on top of bitcoin uh and other similar open source projects and the big hurdle to actually making sure that these things uh, are adoptable and people want to use them is UX. And again, I tried Sphinx. I have not downloaded Juggernaut yet. I can only speak for Sphinx, but the UX was pretty impeccable and it was very easy to set up. And it is crazy to think that these messages are going through the Lightning Network and it's peer to peer. It's not going through a server and then going to the other person on the end of the conversation's phone, like it's literally via the lightning network, which still I'm, I'm like trying to wrap my mind around it. Uh, I, it, it could be massive. I do agree. Um, we have this, this network that, that is onion routed and incentivized to route those messages, um, where you're getting paid. Um, so it could be, it could be massive. Um, one thing to keep in mind here is KeySend is a very new feature. Um, the implications, which are not really known exactly. I was talking to Keto Miner um, of, of the Noddle team, and he was saying um, you shouldn't. So, so, so for Sphinx, they're running, he's running a ton of Noddle Clouds instances, right? So a ton of nodes that are sending these one sat payments between each other for Sphinx. And he said the elements to the routing are a lot different than like normal payments. Um, so consider instead of, if you are running 
a routing node, a node that's set up for you know routing larger payments, um, you should be wary of enabling key send so quickly. Maybe run it on, which is what I'm doing. Run run a separate instance of LND um, that is like your key send your key sentence is basically you want like a nice big channel with a routing node and, and you get all, you know, your messages reliability becomes way better. Very good point. But will you agree that it's pushing the ball forward and hopefully they'll be able to, to fix that UX hurdle in the future. Like again, we're talking about progress. Oh yes, absolutely. Is, absolutely. I think this is, it's a big I think deal. it's a huge, Again, going back to to WeChat, like you can basically create a very similar experience via even if you don't want to key send, just via the invoicing function of the Lightning Network within the apps. And so that's like one thing: people pay their bills, uh, they do e-commerce shopping, they pay friends in Venmo style over these apps. Like we're building that out on Lightning now. It's fucking insane. Yeah, I've grown to love the invoicing, which is weird. Because one of the things I liked about Bitcoin was that it was push payments. It's still push payments. Yeah, it's still push, but there's like that invoice step. You know, I don't know. It's just something about like the scanning the QR code and having it auto-populate everything. Yeah, it's dope. And speak, do we uh, mention that the Human Rights Foundation implemented... Uh, join on their BTC pay. So the only reason I bring it up is because I did donate after Alex made that. I donated via the Lightning Network and uh, just the way Zap makes it, like the way it populated, like going back and, and checking through it. Um, that's exactly what you're describing. Yeah, exactly. So that's what made that pop up in my it's mind. It's underrated that it's just, it just in there. It just says HRF, right? Is that what it shows there? Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, something like that. So yeah, HRF added it. Uh, the Blockstream store added it. There's a couple others. You know, we, it'd be nice to see a lot of merchant adoption here. Um, what I expect is uh, to see uh, obviously adoption first among like the ideological companies in the space. Um, they're they're going to be the first Dude, movers. How here. huge is it though to see HRF like? And I said we. We talked about this with Alex when he's on the podcast. I don't remember if we talked about it while we were recording or off the record, but me personally, I have a lot of inherent skepticism towards alphabet soup organizations like the World Health Organization, CDC, um, the UNICEF, the UN. A lot of these. What's the issue in, with UNICEF? Uh, UNICEF's kind of. What are they like really corrupt, right? Like the margin is ridiculous. What actually gets to kids? Yeah, it's like, the, yeah, them, like the Red Cross. They like, they like. Well, the Red Cross is in the three. They market themselves like they say the world. Agency, yeah. No, it's not. But it's a, it falls. It's an NGO, under right? Is that what we call them? But I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I don't want to bring any heat towards the HRF for, for shitting on every other alphabet suit, but they back it up with action and good education. Like that COVID-19 conference and, and then Alex is, is trying to get people to use Bitcoin in the right way. Yeah. And you were scheduled to go um, 
to go to sit before the COVID happened to go to San Francisco and walk some refugees through this stuff. I mean, you already did once, but you're supposed to do it again. Well, not refugees, but uh, I think they call them freedom fellows. D- dissidents. Yeah, activists. Freedom fellows, dissidents. Sorry. Yeah. Um, HRF is great. It's good to see them add pay joint support. I look forward to seeing a lot of other people also add pay joint support. Let's get pay joint usage up. That'd be great to see. And we're gonna we're gonna make sure that happens at the TFTC store. Um, yeah, we we ran through all of our topics. The last one we have is macro oil. Yeah, we the May contract went negative today. Uh, what the fuck is that about, Marty? You want to provide some insight for us? Yes, I do have some insight on this. Speaking with a coworker today, it was very intimate knowledge of the oil markets, and honestly. Um, I'm able to draw on some of my experiences from when I worked in finance many moons ago. Yeah, obviously everybody's talking about oil going negative, but it was particularly the CME May contract. Um, I believe it hit negative $60 at one point. And so how does that happen? How can oil prices be negative? People are asking, like, what's going on? So you have like a little people, and I was trying to describe this to Matt earlier, um, before we hit record, it's like it's funny that people have the the mining Bitcoin mining death spiral meme is is pretty big. Uh, Do you like my Photoshop? This is sort of what's going on. I did. That was great. Some people thought it was I real. Didn't, I didn't real. That was that was exa- I thought it was real first, and I was like, "There's no way CNBC is saying a death spiral," but it is sort of a death spiral, and because. Uh, the oil producers find themselves in a very weird spot where they're highly indebted. Um, it's like they're, they make up a large portion of the, uh, the high yield bad debt markets. And so as oil prices are dropping, which has been happening pretty consistently for the last couple months, as the economy shut down and demand has fallen precipitously, uh, you have this weird, sort of loop whereas prices are falling to make sure that they're uh, able to pay back the loans that they have oil producers are actually almost forced to increase production so they can sell more barrels to to get more revenue to pay back their loans and if you don't have demand following that up on the other side what happens is you, you get a backup in storage so that's what happened today it became pretty apparent to everybody in the market that all the storage uh for the oil and in, in the U.S. shale industry, particularly, is full. So you literally can't move any more <laughs> oil into storage at this current point in time because obviously the economy shut down. People aren't driving as much. Factories aren't running. Uh, the, you, you basically just don't have economic activity. People aren't shipping oil to far off lands to then be consumed because they're shut down as well. So you have this weird sort of doom loop where these oil producers need to try to keep their revenues at a point at which they can pay back their debt. Um, but that forces them to produce more. And then as they're producing more storage is becoming full and, uh, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's, it's full and you, you, you can't put oil in storage if it's full. So that's why I went negative today. Oil companies would be willing to pay somebody to take the oil from them and put it in storage because they want to keep their production up on the other side. And it's a weird sort of doom loop. And like you were saying, before we hit record, 
the CME contract particularly dictates that they have to find storage in Oklahoma, which is another weird caveat, and it's just a bad situation all around. They have to take custody in Oklahoma, which is like, how do you get there? Is it trains, I'm guessing, or trucks or something? Yeah, uh, trucks, if there's no pipelines directly. If it was Bitcoin, you could just send them a text. Uh, it wouldn't be that private. You should <laughs> send them a signal message or PGP or something. Um, yeah. But so it's this specific contract, though, right? Like other oil markets around the world, other, you know, uh, instruments, financial instruments that you could trade oil, they're reporting higher prices, right? Like this is not like oil is not around the world at negative 40 or negative 30 or wherever it hit. For next month it is. So WTI is like the most popular contract that's traded. WTI crude. Um, and so it's it's negative for next month because so what that basically says, um, well, what are we, April 20th? It's 420. Happy 420, freaks. Didn't even realize. Um, uh, basically what it's saying is the, the market, the futures markets don't expect uh, the economy to go back to normal by next month. So they expect that storage will still be full. And because of that, that's why you have the negative price. So as you go further out on the futures curve into June, July, August, September, like the prices are going up because there's a, an assumption that maybe the economy will get back to normal and demand will 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 show itself. Well, uh, well, like, and so there's a, like air travels down like 95% domestically. No well, one's exactly, driving. Exactly. Like there's so no, it's, none of it's being used. Demand has yeah. come to a fucking complete stop. Yeah, and so the price is being, I believe they're like thirty three six months out, thirty three dollars a barrel. Uh, that's basically the futures traders hoping that there will be enough demand to demand that price at that point in time. But like you just alluded to, like are people going to be safe or feel safe hopping on flights? Are are companies even going to like keep their their uh, their office space leases going? Are they going to let their employees start working from Wait. home, which would increase or excuse me decrease demand for for gas because people aren't driving to work as much like there's a lot of externalities and again talking about like things that you don't expect when you shut down the economy it's a very intricate uh complex organism and uh, people aren't gonna like fly right away particularly no no yeah. they're not they're, people are gonna be scared as shit um but so, so can weird. we just so WTI crude, which you're telling me is, uh, I know it's what they show on the top of trading view, but you're telling me it's the, it's the number one oil product in the world by, by trade volume, right? I'm pretty sure. Okay. So, but if it's not, it's probably high up there, right? It'd be like number two or Definitely. something. Definitely. I mean... So it's what about Brent? It's WTI and Brent. Is Brent two, bigger? Yeah. Um, no, I think WTI. Is okay. Anyway, by far, it went down like what, like one hundred and thirty-five percent. I thought you can't go down past one hundred percent. Is is do we count that as ninety-nine percent, or do we count that as one hundred and forty? The biggest print I saw was three hundred and twenty percent. Um, See, I didn't even know that was possible. I thought you could no. only lose a hundred percent. That's pretty crazy. And we can lose, you can lose as much as you invest, and then you have to pay people on the other end. So, you, like, you're basically just adding 
adding to that loss of your initial investment. So you're adding more money to get rid of it um, than to sell it at even a loss. You've got to you've got to add to your loss. That's ridiculous. By paying people to take it away. Do you, yeah. What's annoying here is proponents of the efficient market hypothesis will say that <laughs> this was this was priced in. Bro. No, no, no. This was the market pricing in this externality. But I would say, like, if it's going to price it in all on one day. Does that that shouldn't count, right? Like you can't you can't you can't count that in. That's like ridiculous. Like it it should have it should have known that yeah, storage was filled, right? Like this is a known thing. Like people stop driving, people stop flying. I completely agree. Like it, even if it didn't know that storage was filled at any particular point in time, you should just be able to surmise if you're an efficient market that storage will become full at some point in the future yeah. if there's no demand to soak up the supply. And you can just, you can literally look at the supply numbers, the supply prints every day and be like, all right, right? this isn't fucking adding out. Right. So, yeah. so you have this like super liquid, super developed market that's supposed to be super efficient, um, not effectively priced this in. Uh, and then you're going to tell me that this super immature asset that's brand new that's barely a decade old um, is is that every everything about it is priced in like the having is priced in is the most ridiculous is the most ridiculous concept ever like that's ridiculous it's going through its adoption phase like barely anyone owns it maybe more people know about it now but like they don't really know about it they've heard of it they they know the name yeah i mean you know i've I've been clamoring that the having or Bitcoin's not priced in it. Like it can't be priced in. Nobody, everybody's like, oh, the, the market automatically prices this in. But then what is the market? The market of people who are buying Bitcoin or people who know it or convince that it'll either appreciate or that they can trade it. And that's a very, it's $130 billion right now. Like it's not priced in because you're, you're completely discounting the money outside of this bubble that has not uh, hit an education threshold or even dabbled in Bitcoin. Like that is not priced in. It's well, literally not priced if in. I was, haven't thought of it. If I was a proponent of the EMH, I would tell you, Marty, that we don't need all the participants to price in the knowledge. We just need a select few with deep liquidity to, to price it in. So it doesn't really matter that other people don't know. Uh, it just matters. No, and then value at risk. Like, so... Efficient market hypothesis people don't understand the concept of VAR then, value at risk. Like Even if somebody, a huge institutional player had a lot of conviction in Bitcoin, they have fiduciary responsibilities to limit their value at risk. So even if they believe that Bitcoin is going to go to $10 million, they are still constrained within the, the mandate of their fund to put, I mean, you could be, uh, more risky than others if you want it to be, but it's you're not going to be able to market that well to investors. Yeah, it's not man. VAR isn't mandated. It is we you, when you go pitch a fund, you say, hey, our VAR is between per trade is at X amount, and you should stay within certain VAR thresholds if you uh, want to be able to market your fund and raise money. So um, I think so. Even if 
a huge institutional player believed in Bitcoin that it was going to get a trillions of dollars market cap, maybe their 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 value at risk and their their risk uh, sort of thresholds would would stop them from putting more money than maybe their chief investment officer would want to. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my answer to that um, would be tangential to yours, like uh, adjacent to it. I think uh, institutional money is too, there's too much focus on it or like big player money, fund money, because at the end of the day, the like the average Joes that don't have that much money that are just dollar cost averaging over and over again. I think those guys have way more upward pressure than people give them credit for. Like just like just regular people buying Bitcoin. So those people don't have, they don't have deep pockets. Like they can't effectively price in their belief that the having should increase the price, right? Like they're being held back by their yeah. financial situation. Uh, and you can't price that in like we there's no that's the delta i have been and still am one of those people like i still dca after every after every paycheck like if i could price in more of the bitcoin market cap i would but uh sort of hindered by my success in life at this given point in time and so are a bunch of other people and yeah it's asinine to think that those people heavy hodlers given the opportunity to throw a bunch more money wouldn't do it um yeah i mean there's asymmetric knowledge everywhere there's there's it's not priced i try fully it can't be priced in once a week i try to help price in the having that's what i do yeah uh you got me on a I was already I was already screaming about MMT today. Big MMT debates recently. I'm I'm already riled up about that. I just have to throw some efficient market hypothesis stuff in there. MMT is dumb in my opinion. It doesn't make any sense. But it's going to happen. It's saying right? the market is centrally planned. It is well apparently it already is happening. Yeah. That's what that is uh, what that's exactly what's which, happening. Yeah, and that's the whole like. So that's the whole argument. Like, if it's happening, do you go along with it and try and profit off of that, or do you try to recognize the stupid will lead to uh, bad decisions and a massive misallocation of capital that you try to stop? Just because I will concede that it's happening and probably will continue to happen and, and uh, actually become more predominant and the world of monetary policy in the mainstream, but that doesn't mean I can acknowledge that it's going to happen and still think it's stupid and probably not worthwhile to go down that path. Um, sounds a lot like shit coins. Do you want to explain what MMT is? Modern monetary <sighs> theory. Well, that's what is, what is, well, that's the thing. Go on. They make it so confusing that it's like hard to fucking explain. Uh, you get, you get, MMT splained uh, pretty hard by people who have read thousands of pages of this. It's like this. It's shit so coins. intricate and like that's the thing. Yeah, like just off the bat from first principles, it's so complicated that it can't be distilled in like a three-hour conversation. If you spoke to somebody for three hours, 
just to try to get the basics of MMT, it would be so fucking. Okay. It's still it is confusing. So I have a I um so I have a TLDR. Tell me if you think it's appropriate. Okay, I have a. I'll give the TLDR. TLDR is right now QE uh, is not doing a good enough job of allocating capital. Those are the banks that pushes uh, financial assets up, and it drives a wedge in income inequality. Modern monetary theorists believe that the state should come in and take it more control of how that money is allocated, basically how QE money is allocated. It wouldn't be QE exactly, but the gist is how money should be allocated. It shouldn't just go to banks' balance sheets and then they can do with it what they want. Obviously, uh, they aren't giving out loans. People aren't taking out loans. So there needs to be more concerted effort to push that money, to push the flows to certain areas of the economy. And it is infinitely more stupid than QE. If QE wasn't stupid enough, MMT saying, all right, QE's not working. We're not able to allocate. Obviously, this capital's not being allocated efficiently, so we're going to have the state, the government, step in and tell people how to allocate this this capital. Um, so it you're basically taking what QE is and you're turning that up to 11 and saying, hey, the state is... Uh, the state is going to step in and be way more efficient than QE is, and they're they're going to be able to pick the winners and losers, and uh, and then you get into the whole conversation of how they curb inflation. You could do that via fiscal policy by lowering taxes and taxing more uh, when inflation is getting out of hand. So you pull more money out of the market and you you bring inflation to uh, a sort of uh, bound that is controllable. But it's all it's. Again, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, you can't micromanage complex systems. We're finding that out right now with the oil markets. So oil mar- it's the other thing. The oil market's like one of the only non-manipulated, bailed-out markets in the world, and we're seeing what happens when that happens. Like You, you get true pricing coming into play. Wait, why is it not manipulated? Isn't it, aren't there like tons of oil subsidies and whatnot? Well, they're not getting bailed out. There may oh, be okay. subsidies. But I don't think. But yeah, I mean, I think your last two sentences there were like the perfect TLDR, right? Like it's all about micromanaging everything, and that you you can like over-engineer the problem into a solution. Yes, and that is exactly what I think is is what MMT is, and over-engineering a bunch of intellectuals thinking they can dictate the the most advantageous flow of capital, and I just. Heuristically, that's it could dumb. pump the stock market right for like five years or something. Yes, yes, and I okay. I don't deny that. I'm just, you know. definitely. It doesn't make it right though. Will it really help inequality? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely won't help inequality. Is that what you said at the end there? Yeah, it's yeah, not gonna, it's not going to do that. It's like, but like, if it's gonna happen, you know, you have to plan then, like, accordingly, and, right? So, like, you got to keep your mind. You gotta be ready for it. No, I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna. I know, I know. But like, if you t- look at the CARES Act, look at everything they got through there. Pelosi, Schumer. Did you see all the colleges? They didn't pass the act. Yeah, all the colleges, Columbia, MIT, twelve billion dollar endowment. I know. Yeah, like all these colleges with crazy endowments, which are supposed to be either funds to invest in 
reinvest in your school and your alumni association, your alumni network, or a fund for a rainy day. And we have multi-deca-billion dollar endowments getting bailed out while people are working, excuse me, people aren't working. Uh, They've been furloughed or completely uh, fired at this point. Uh, are sitting at home with their thumbs up their ass wondering where, where they're going to get their next hundred bucks to buy food. And fucking Colombia is getting $9 million that they don't fucking need. The, C- the president of Colombia makes $4 million a year. Take a pay cut for one year, bro. Like, what the fuck? Or like just dip into the endowment a little bit. It's, they didn't cut tuitions. Yeah. No. It's so ass backwards. And that's why... I'm torn on it. You don't... Right, because the if you're a smart investor, you don't make decisions because of your 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 moral compass. But with MMT, particularly, like I think it's getting to a point where it's like, hey, I know historically from an investment perspective, that's not wise. Like, don't fight the Fed, don't do any of the shit. But for me, it's like I'm throwing my hand. Like, how more blatantly crazy could you get? Like, more people than in and MMT, particularly. They're basically getting into an exotic form of price fixing. So here's one of like the go-to papers on modern monetary theory written by uh, Fulweiler, Gray, and Tankus. Here's one excerpt that Dave Collins shared in his end-of-year review last year. We need alternative tools in place to manage the power of big business and ensure their pricing policies are consistent with public purpose. Because of the pricing power of big companies, whichever administrative agency or agencies is responsible for managing aggregate demand should not be responsible for overall inflation on its own. It should either share joint responsibility for keeping inflation on target with other agencies responsible for regulating business pricing power, or new indices should be constructed that exclude concentrated markets where prices are clearly acyclical. So you have some weird... That paragraph basically describes some weird exotic form of price fixing that has historically not worked out. Like who, number one, are the bureaucrats that are going to decide which uh, big big businesses or industries are mispricing goods and how are they going to dictate what is the, the, uh, the accurate price of the goods that those industries are pricing like then you get into a whole terrible slippery slope ridiculous but i mean price fixing is ridiculous i didn't realize that was a possibility i don't think that's a possibility do you really think that's a possibility well that's the thing that's why i said an exotic form of price fixing they're not going to say hey here's the price of this uh, you're going to mandate policy that pushes prices in a certain direction fuck around behind the scenes to like deter- make the prices Yes. They're going to say, hey, we think this is mispriced, so we're going to dictate policy in this this way so that prices hopefully move in this direction, which we think is more fair. And that's, like, who is the we? Who is the we making these decisions? The same people who are giving Columbia $9 million who wouldn't pass the CARES Act until the Kennedy Foundation got $25 million. Like, the human error and human greed comes into play. Like, the people making these decisions have incentives to help certain people that finance their campaigns and stuff like that, to think that MMT would be bereft of the corruption that exists in our political system is dumb. 
Yeah, I mean, I just want to say one thing that, you know, I think these are all loans, right, that may be forgiven. Um, and so the way they constructed the whole system, the way the, the federal government released the whole system is they released it in this gameable way, right, where you have a limited amount of funds to be lent out, that the banks are going to take on a portion of that risk of the funds that are being lent out. Um, so the banks wanted to, like, they would love to just, you know, out of all the people to lend to, you might as well lend to Columbia with a, however billion endowment they have, 10 billion endowment. Um, right. So like the incentives and like, of course, if you're Columbia, you're going to go for it, right. If it's offered to you a super low interest loan, you're going to take it. Well, we saw that with, we saw that with Shake Shack too. Danny Meyer, yeah. Shake Shack took the uh, took the loan. Ten million, and then, like they got political pressure. Yeah, it took ten million. And then they got pressure from the public. Like, what the fuck do you need ten million for, Shake Shack? Like, this is supposed to be for small, medium sized businesses. And Ruth Chris, and they gave it. Ruth back. Chris got twenty five million. What? Yeah. And they fired like all their employees, but they kept all their management, like upper management. Um, yeah, I'm just end. saying, like. If you have broken incentives, like they're gonna take get taken advantage of, and I I don't think that when it was implemented they cared that they knew exactly who was gonna take advantage of it. Well, and that's exactly my point. Why is this gonna be under any different under a modern monetary theory regime? Like, it's, if anything, it's only gonna get worse. Yeah. The incentives get skewed even more. Yeah, but stocks might pump, yeah, and Bitcoin they, they'll definitely pump. All. All Bitcoin assets. can pump in other ways though. Yeah. It doesn't need MMT to it doesn't need MMT to pump. Yeah, I mean I think it would pump in in bad and good situations, but I'm just infinitely I am bullish. I listen to my Bitcoins then now, so don't listen to me. I mean, I've been in my Bitcoins then for quite some time. Uh, MMT is like cuz it's going to happen. That's the thing that makes me mad. And you know what? People are going to profit off of it. It's going to make markets scream for a little bit, maybe. It doesn't make it right at the end of the day. Oh, I mean, yeah. Who knows? We should have a Bitcoin standard, right? A SAT standard. I could be speaking out of my ass. Hey, maybe MMT is actually good for the world and will help bring wage inflation to the point at which... Uh, the purchasing power of the common man has, has come in line with his productive capital. I'm not holding my breath. How noble of you. Why well, I should be holding my breath. No, I just, that you said that MMT could work. I mean, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think it could work, so, but we'll see. We'll see. They're definitely going to try it. They already are trying it. MMT is arguably already here, so. It's all too complicated. I mean, yeah, with the, Exactly. Like, how can you not like this, this oil thing, thing? This oil thing. Like, there's going to be a shit ton of ripple effects here, right? Like, there's no way this is not all interconnected. Yeah. Like, they can't handle negative prices. But what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's great to start coming out talking about how we're going to use gas product byproducts from oil extraction to mine Bitcoin. Nah, I mean, as at Great American Mining, we're like covering this. We're covering this. We're uh assessing the situation very closely luckily we're, where we are right now is safe for the time being but yeah i mean this could affect us 
this is a variable as a taking consideration when you're doing um, gas byproduct mining. But I mean, I think it's going to affect like all these other industries and stuff that people aren't really thinking about. Uh, I mean, we we always well, see yeah, like the be, break-even price, like t- right? And they have the charts of the different countries with the different break-even prices. Like if I recall, none of them were at negative thirty, right? Like that's. Uh... Well, I think you had to take into consideration the average of the whole curve. Like negative thirty is just the May yeah, contract. Exactly. If you go up further, like. But that's not to say that moving forward as time passes that other months won't go negative as well, depending on uh, whether or not we get back to work and people are consuming that oil. You need the demand to follow up with the like Presumably, uh, and that's simply, there's guys building like huge-ass tanks right now, right? Like they, they're off to the races, but like trying to, to get it at, you know, at the cheap price. I mean... There's a huge ARB. Like, if you're able to get it at negative $40 a barrel, which basically you get paid to take it, and you're able to hold it and make sure the quality of the gas doesn't depreciate over a time frame that allows you to then sell it at a positive price, like, that's a big that's a big profit right there. Um, but whether or not that's possible, whether or not uh, our officials let that happen by letting people go back to work is uh, yet to be seen. Yep. You know, we'll see what happens there. I, I, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a crazy day watching it. I had no idea. I had no idea prices could well, even go negative. So that was a learning experience for me today. It makes sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. And but, they, and the CME announced it like right before they went negative. They're like, Hey, just so you know, this shit could go negative. And people are like, what? Like, ah, um, no, like I wouldn't actually be surprised again if today was a Lehman moment where, you have some unintended ripple, not even unintended, it's like unforeseen ripple effects that come from this. Again, the oil industry makes up a good portion of the high yield debt market. And so if you have a cascading effect and them defaulting on their, their loans and you have a couple of banks that have pretty fickle loan books and that starts to bleed into other stuff that they have on their books uh, who knows? You, you could see a cascading effect there. I'm not going to claim that's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. Some unforeseen externalities coming to play. I mean, unprecedented day today. Like we're, we're such a double-edged sword being alive in 2020. It's like one of the worst years to be alive, but also one of the best from like an experience level. Like how much worse could, could we go through? And how much stronger will this make us in the long run? Just individuals living through this at this particular age. I mean, I feel like it could be a lot worse. Um, so, you know, maybe we lucked out here. Fingers crossed. We'll see how that works out. I mean, hopefully it's like a, it's pretty and bad. Hopefully it's like a warning lesson, you know, but, uh, how bad? How bad do you think you can get? What do you what's what's going through Matt Odell's mind right now? Like, what's the worst case scenario? In your well, mind? I mean, the virus could have been people on the people on the streets stabbing each other. The virus could have been more fucked, and yeah, just like the lack of general civil unrest so far. Well, I think the powers that be want you to believe that people will go crazy and start killing each other and like purging each other at a certain point, which some people may, but I do believe. 
truly deep down in my heart that most people are good people and they would be more willing to help their fellow man I don't know. and stab him in the eye. I mean, I believe that too for the most part, but like still like cities and stuff, shit breaks down real quick. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, cautiously optimistic that, that, it do, that the virus doesn't fuck us up that much. Uh, but th- this, sh- the shutdown, like I've been bearish, I've been bearish for fucking forever. Right. So if, if I've been bearish on like equities, stock market and whatnot, just our general economy just seemed like a house of cards. So now, obviously, I'm even more bearish, but I'm trying to check my biases. So that's that's where we are today. Well, there's a complete dislocation in the pricing mechanism of the stock markets in reality. It does not make any fucking sense that the stock market is where it is. It is a completely manipulated market. And if anything were to drive that home it's the last month and a half you literally have we'll see the print on thursday definitely more than 20 upwards of 25 million americans unemployed right now yet stocks are fucking skyrocketing i'm actually gonna drop my episode with ben hunt tomorrow and we talk about this like he's not so convinced he's not so convinced that we're gonna see the v-shaped recovery that some people are like it's it's just gonna be too glaringly obvious like you have (laughs) you have what is it, 20% of the workforce, 25% of the workforce out of work and your like valuations are going up. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Dude. Well, it's MMT. Hey, it's, it's good. It's good for the people. Yeah, it's working. That wage inflation is going to come right away for this 25 million unemployed. No, nah, it's fucked up. Ah, now you got me on MMT again. It doesn't make any fucking sense but they're going to try and force it down your throats. You can micromanage that shit though. The, the stock market is just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Right. It's just, it just goes, it just money gets printed. It's and a it fugazi. Goes it's fugazi. But like, where else you put your money? But the money's not printed, dude. The money's not printed, dude. It's just a you're just you're just switching reserves with the banks. You're not really printing money. That's the other argument I hate. Is they're like, oh, you're not actually printing money. That money never makes its way to the economy via loans. But the executives that benefit from QE in the form of asset price inflation in the stock market and real estate, they can then go sell those stocks or that real estate and take that cash out that way. It's just a roundabout way like, to say that no inflation exists. And they, I guess their counter argument would be if they were all to do that at the same time, you'd have asset valuations crash, but they don't do it all. At the well, same I mean, time. I think for that model to be fair, like the populace would have to own a portion of the, the total assets. Right, but we see you don't see that distribution. Obviously, people on the lower end of the income scale don't own any assets, so they don't see any of the rise in that. They just see declining purchasing purchasing power, and they just get wrecked. Um, it's the hidden tax. Yeah, but it's our way out, man. Let's just do it. 
We're just going to do it better. We're going to do it by allocating that that new money better. But anyway, Bitcoin held. That doesn't matter. Bitcoin held up well. I might be jinxing it by the time this drops. But it. All right. Yeah, we didn't get the we didn't get the Clark Moody's dashboard. Let's check. Yeah, it. let's check it and wrap wrap this baby up. We're at six thousand eight hundred sixty six dollars right now. A little lower than we were this morning. Um. Tor node still at 42.2% of Lightning Network capacity. Next difficulty adjustment is scheduled to be tomorrow. 49 blocks from now, actually. Excuse me. Uh, last Thursday was 11% upward difficulty adjustment. Now it's 8.5%. Blocks are coming in at 9 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, on Thursday, it was 9.01, so it seems like we've had hash rate drop off the network. And the halving is only 3,073 blocks away. Estimated to be on May 11th now. I believe that's a Sunday. Is that a Monday? We should see hash rate go up with oil oil falling. No, Why I not say that. Energy prices in general would go down, no? Yeah, I mean, but you'd have you'd have to have... Your miner is deployed right next to the oil, ready to turn on. That's like, I mean, that hasn't been. Well, I mean, like in in of, like over the next couple of months, like we should get a hash rate bonus from it. You don't think so? No, no, no. If anything, I mean, what we're doing depends on oil production, and luckily where we are, it is profitable at very low prices to to drill the oil, so we get the byproduct still. But there are other like in Canada that it's very negative up there. So if you have uh, individual miners using gas byproduct from oil drilling to mine Bitcoin and they're shutting down all their capacity that actually would reduce your hash, uh, rate. Your hash rate unless you could quickly uh, transition to consuming oil over the gas which with the way the generators are set but up you don't is think you don't not. think grid prices go down with oil like do, do does grid electricity no, what? What grids run on oil? I don't know. Just because it's like an energy, does energy go down together, or is it it's disjointed? I hope that's not a stupid question. I ask what grids. I I feel like most of the grids run on natural gas or. Um, damn, I should probably. I notice. just figured it was like energy, like there was some correlation there. It depends what the source is. Um, like, uh, yeah, I can't speak with authority on that. I'm not going to try to. It's something I should know, though, and not just from Great American Mining, but from my days in the commodities markets. Um, I'm pretty sure natural gas is the biggest resource used on the grid, and that's because it's so abundant and so cheap. So I don't—I mean, natural gas is cheap already; it can't get much cheaper. Fair enough. So yeah. no, no hash rate bump. Maybe I mean, eh, if you want, like hash rate bump, like talk about externalities. If you had like companies completely shutting down with less stress on the grid. So you have less, less, uh, 
resources vying for the same energy source. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But it's got to fall. It's got to fall. Oh, well, then you have people at home all day, and they're using their ACs and their, their heaters. So if they're not at work, trying to heat their houses until they don't have enough money to pay for that. I'm thinking out loud now. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Marty, this is a banger of an episode, but I have to I have to get to dinner. So got to go eat yeah, that sausage. I have to go make the sausage. So Oh, you're yeah, making the sausage. That's why oh. I, I kind of deserve the note because I didn't really tell them what was happening, but but yeah, I have to go make the sausages. Tell your family. I said hello. Uh and that I'm sorry that I delayed their sausage <laughs> consumption. I love you, freaks. I love you, Marty. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks. Take care.